Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, dum-dums? As sports keeps coming back, so does your chance to bet on them. With our exclusive wagering partner, BetOnline AG, baseball's back in full swing and there are no shortages of ways to get in the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props. You'll be a betting son of a bitch. Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather joins the BetOnline team in a new segment. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. My goodness, he'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on all the costs of his bling. Brendan, I didn't know jewelry betting was missing from my life. Yeah. I now know. Now you know. Visit Bet Online AG today to check out all the odds. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. Trying to turn up the tempo on second and five with a 40. Bryant with the time. The pass is and a touchdown. Hand off to Roundtree running left. It's 35 to the 40. Left sideline around the man. This is the Mazad cast. Howdy Tiger fans and welcome to the Mazadcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me as always is Donald Trump's PR director, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And uh, Novak Djokovic's PR director, Caleb Bungard. Hello, kid. Oh, I've had a good week. I haven't swatted anybody in the face with a tennis ball. <laughs> Very well, good. well done. <laughs> You're doing the 100. <laughs> yeah, it's been a good week. But we are doing a podcast this week for some reason because uh, I think, guys, uh, first of all, welcome back, Caleb. It's been a while since we've heard from you. Yeah, I'm alive, barely, but I'm here. Well, um, yeah, Caleb may have the COVID. Should we get into that? Yeah, I mean, I got tested, sitting at home for the last two days, may get uh, results tomorrow, may get them Friday. I don't know. I hope I have it at this point. It'll explain a lot of things going on in my body. It's either so that or I need is, another drill So this drill is the Caleb Bumgart farewell episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's been nice knowing you. Thanks for showing up, Caleb. <laughs> yeah. I, if anybody's got an extra gorilla heart, I might need that also. <laughs> Did the time. doctor say you had to zoom naked or, I mean, or clothing optional? Yeah, I'm sweating a lot, so I've just decided to sit in my... Did we lose? In a bath. 
a salt bath here of sweat. <laughs> we lost you for a second, and I thought we lost you for a second. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here. I'm going nowhere. I don't have a wife or kids here. It's just me alone quarantined in this big house. That's the way Caleb wanted to go out. Yeah. Alone and sad. <laughs> yeah, masturbating, doing what he loved. He mm-hmm. died doing what he loved. Anyway, we've been saying we're going to have bi-weekly podcasts until the season starts. And the season is quickly about here, guys. We've been dicking around. We've been <laughs> stuck at home having a pandemic on our hands. And uh, we're going to have college football. It looks more and more like college football. Despite increased cases of blah, blah, blah happening around blah, 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 football's on its way. Especially the SEC don't give a fuck. Yeah, they're like, a, what is it, two or three weeks ago, and uh, oh, Mizzou's got 14 players now in quarantine with or without COVID. I can't remember, like three of them test positive, and the rest of them are just on COVID watch, COVID watch or whatever. But uh, anyway, I, know I obviously didn't pay any attention to the news, but... Um, no, <laughs> we're we're not a podcast that pays attention to what's going on in college football when we report <laughs> about college football. Regardless, there's like right now there's like 14 head that yeah. are in trouble. Yeah, that have a, a case of the Calums. Yeah, and uh, one thing we know we need is able-bodied football players when we go in week one against I don't know Alabama. No, we're probably going to stomp their dick on the dirt. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. The crazy thing is uh, th- this new schedule came out. We play Alabama, Tennessee, and LSU. And I don't know if you've heard it yet or not, guys, but Tennessee is back. Tennessee has like oh, yeah, people yeah. in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd like to beat Tennessee straight up. There is a lot of talk about uh, Tennessee turning things around, but there's always talk of Tennessee turning things around. So I don't know how much to believe it. Plus, when you're sandwiched, when you sandwich Tennessee between Alabama and LSU, it's like a sandwich where the bread is really good and the meat is fucking <laughs> disastrous two month old fucking roast beef that's been sitting on a radiator. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's spam. <laughs> but it's like a French baguette on one side and then like a marbled rye from Jerusalem on the other side. And in the middle, you've got rotten spam, and that's Tennessee. It's, it's a hot dog made from dog meat. You know, like a hot dog made of German shepherd. Yeah. But a sick German shepherd because they're going to kill a healthy one. Sure, sure. And that's what the hot dog's made out of, and it's between some really good bread. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what Tennessee is. Tennessee's schnitzel. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Tennessee's a fucking rotten dog meat schnitzel. Tennessee's been on the comeback since 1998. <laughs> it has. It's a cliche for a reason. So the question I have for you all, Missouri goes Alabama, Tennessee, LSU. Do we end up 0-3? Do we end up 1-2? Do we 3-0? and Is that an option? What do you think we're going to actually start the season? A month in, are we going to have a win? 1-2. So you guys think we will beat Tennessee? Yes. Well, let's see the universal over-under on Mizzou's season this year, our 10-game all-conference season. It's three wins. I mean, at Vegas and at CC Media, everybody thinks the over-under is three and seven. And, I mean... I don't know if we'll beat Tennessee, but you got South Carolina, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State are all four teams that Mizzou conceivably should have a chance to win. And I'm probably missing one there. The point is, is that they could win four or five games, and it would be very good for Drinkwitz. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I it, I can see it in the schedule. Does it really matter in this bullshit season how many they win? It's yeah. a fucking give me season for yeah. him. He doesn't have to do shit because it's such a clusterfuck, really. I kind of tend to agree with you, Caleb. I mean, I feel like it's kind of a swing for the fences season because you're a every coach's first year is kind of a you know you get one sort of. Sorry. 
honeymoon year. Honeymoon, yeah, honeymoon season, and obviously that's this for Drinkwitz. And then with all the crazy shit going on, they're throwing Alabama and LSU. Nobody has any expectations. We don't just- go out there and and run stupid plays and gimmick bullshit and do all that this year. You're a fucking idiot. This is the year to do it and try to beat people. I mean, fuck it. You got nothing to lose. It is a give up season. Do a bunch of stupid shit. Run the hook and ladder every third play. I mean, fuck <laughs> it. I saw that Tyler Beatty. He was te- he's bragging he's the most versatile back in the SEC and how good the offense is going to be. And apparently, Sean Roberts Robinson is looking good. And uh, I don't know. I, I just feel like with a mobile quarterback, and um, I and I do believe in Beatty. I think he is a talented. Running back, we still have Roundtree. I mean, I think we could be better on offense than anyone in the, in the SEC would initially have thought. Is our, quarterback, is our quarterback fucking the tight end's girlfriend this year? <laughs> no, I don't think that's <laughs> happening this year. So let's hope not anyway. Because the, that, that, was, that was sort of a toxic. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast situation in the locker room i think yeah yeah it's, uh, we we don't even know who the quarterback is that's the thing about this offense i mean one i'll say this about tyler Beatty. i think that uh, everybody's talking about roundtree and the potential that he could have this season and i think people might be sleeping on tyler Beatty a little bit because i've never slept on tyler Beatty. he has always been the only guy in their backfield <laughs> with, even with Crockett and Roundtree, mm-hmm. he's the only back that I've seen in these last few years that actually has sort of you know really quick electric movement. I mean, he's yeah. His he's, his big knock is that he's just a little guy. Yeah, but he's he's got a uh, he's got a different gear. And, yeah, uh, at least I think he does. Well, besides being fast, the thing for me is that he can catch the ball. You know what I mean? He is a dangerous well, it's receiver. Not just that he's fast and in a straight line. He's got he's quick too. I mean, he's got the. He can. He just moves better than the rest of them. Reminds me of Jamal Charles. You know, he just mm-hmm. he's smooth and he moves. He doesn't look like he's working very hard to move twice as fast as everybody else. Yeah, that's nice that to have in a sense. running back. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what good running backs have is that sort of that gear. Colin, you're mm-hmm. gonna have to stop uh, going in and out of doors. I think. Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's really loud. Yeah, that's one thing that good running backs have is that they have this extra gear that nobody else on the field seems to have. And uh, Beatty has shown it at times. But it is weird. I mean, I guess I don't fault Eli Drinkwitz. And it kind of gives me the excitement that people have about how he's kind of a tricky play caller and that he refuses to say who our quarterback is going to be. Nobody in the media knows who Mizzou's starting quarterback is going to be. I mean, there's a lot of assumptions about Sean Robinson, but it is absolutely not a guarantee. I mean, I think we've all suspected that it's possible we'll have a multi-quarterback system, but he's not telling anybody, and he's going to play Alabama at the first game of the season, so why would he tell anybody? Yeah, what advantages can you have over Alabama? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if the only thing you can do that gives them at any uh, trouble at all. So you're not going to tell him who your starting quarterback is. I mean, it probably doesn't make no difference, but it's the only card he can play. Yeah, that's right. Make Alabama earn one. 
Yeah, don't give it up for them. They're scared, you know. Saban is shaking in his fucking boots right now. <laughs> That's right. He's never come across this kind of riddle before. <laughs> well, I do hope. I think I said this not that long ago. I really, really hope that we'll beat somebody we shouldn't. Mm-hmm. We haven't beat anybody we shouldn't in a long time. Well, and I think if Drinkwitz does that, like Caleb was saying about well, this is going to be in a throwaway year, it's all upside and no real downside, you know? So if you do pull out all the stops and beat an LSU, I don't know, defending national champions or something crazy like that, he's bought himself a five-year contract, you know? I'm getting all chubbed up. I hope about Drinkwitz it. turns into Steve Spurrier. Just some fucking crazy character of a guy that wins football games. I'd be happy if he turned into Hugh Freeze. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, Hugh Freeze beat Bama twice, you know? Oh, sure. I don't know, Brendan. I mean, get a South Park and get James Cameron to swim down and raise the bar higher from a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there is an incredibly low bar from a zoo this year. I mean, like I said, three wins. So. You know, anything is is positive, really. If we can take and, – and, you know, like Colin was saying about, you know, the offense may be better than people think. We've got some returning starters on defense. I Mizzou's looked at it's the dregs of the SEC this year, and all you have to do is beat some of the, you know, the low-hanging fruit in the East, and uh, you're above expectations. I mean, Florida's supposed to be good this year. I mean, it's not unheard of for Mizzou to go out and beat Florida. That could easily happen. We don't know what kind of team we have. No. I'd say it's safe to say we not we don't have a team that's going to beat Florida. <laughs> Maybe, but but, but if you're talking, really hope I'm wrong. Colin, if you're talking about hoping that we beat somebody we shouldn't, well, Florida, that that's a candidate. You know what I mean? Like Alabama and no, LSU not. may not be. But. No, it's not. No, here's why I say that because we have beat Florida. I'm talking about. I want to see them beat somebody like LSU or Alabama. If we beat Florida, we've I've seen them beat Florida. I think we have a winning record ultimately against Florida. I know they're supposed to be better than us this year. I'm talking about. A game we are not supposed to win. Well, there's plenty Alabama of the, LSU. <laughs> there's plenty of those on the schedule this year. Or Auburn. I would take an Auburn win. Yeah, well, we're not playing them, so that's going to be tough. <laughs> that boy, you talk about something that would make Drinkowitz seem <laughs> like, you know almost like a deity. <laughs> Beating a team not even on our schedule. But yeah, incredible. <laughs> I hope we beat Ohio State too. They're not even playing football this year. <laughs> Welcome, chalk it up as a win. Alabama mm-hmm. does it with national championships. <laughs> it's true, just like Central Florida. Challenge them to a game. If they deny you, you win it. That's mm-hmm. how you should have done it this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, fuck it. We want to play Nebraska, too. Yeah. <laughs> Nebraska really does want to play football. How crazy does Nebraska look? I know this isn't brand new news, but like the Big Ten says we're not going to play football, and Nebraska says fuck you conference I just joined five minutes ago. Um, we're going to play football. We're going to play. And I'm like, who are you going to fucking play? Who are you going to play? Nebraska. You know, there's a thing called schedules and they're <laughs> filled out a little bit before, you know, I don't know, a month before the season. Crazy. Nebraska. Scott Frost is an idiot. Well, he wants to show those black shirts off they've been wanting to show since mm-hmm. 1999, just like fucking Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, they've faded in the sun. They're gray shirts now. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, the season, you look at the schedule, it starts out as rough as the schedule can start out. 
and then we play Vanderbilt. So we get a little reprieve, although I will say this, we always, always underperform against Vanderbilt. You Just know, a bet against Derek Mason and Vanderbilt. Oh, my oh. God. You know, th- th- these are games you want to win 60 to nothing or 60 to three. You know what I mean? I'll give them a little leeway. And we just, you know, we lose to Vanderbilt when we shouldn't. I've watched it in person. I've yeah. watched it in person when Colin was there, too. The only thing that saved it was a concert at the Ryman. I mean, fuck. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, trip to the Grand Ole Opry can salvage it. But then we go to Gainesville to play Florida. Florida's good this year. Then we go um, back home. We play Kentucky. And this is a Kentucky team. They're talking up. And I am still one of those guys who says Kentucky can't be good physically. They just, it's not an, that's not a possible thing. And maybe they're better than they usually are. But we got to beat. We always have to have Kentucky as a win on our sites. You know what I mean? Like, you got to beat Kentucky. I don't care what we are or what they are. You'll win against Kentucky. Yeah, we need to be Kentucky. Badly. Then we play Georgia, who's the king of the East and probably going to be reigning king of the East at the end of all this. Um, And then South Carolina, Arkansas, Mississippi State. So we finish with the two, I don't know, two of the weaker teams in the SEC West. We, We literally play four teams in the SEC West this year. I guess everybody plays four teams outside of their division, but... Arkansas, I think you got to be able to chalk that up and so win because Arkansas has been barely Kansas level football the last five or six years. And Mississippi State, you know what I mean? Like once Dan Mullen left, they've kind of come down to reality. This is Mizzou's first trip to ever to Starkville, but uh, I think you also have to feel like you can beat Mississippi State or else why are you playing football for? I think it's only natural that Arkansas become Kansas. I mean, Kansas is literally in their name. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like it's inevitable. <laughs> That's right. I think whenever the uh, prognosticators are looking at this Mizzou schedule, they see Vanderbilt as a win. They see Arkansas as a win. And then I think they think between Mississippi State, Kentucky, and maybe Tennessee, there's another win in there. South that, Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. But I feel like I'm being optimistic to say we can win four <laughs> games. But goddamn – We've been doing the show, I think this is, what, our seventh season? And uh, we've I don't know if we've ever had such low expectations. Well, the schedule's never included this many West opponents either, though. I mean, that you know, the, if, if we were playing a full season, I think the, the Vegas would have our over-under above three. It's still, I mean, they expect 30% of our games to be wins and 70% of our games to be losses. It's low expectations. Well, it is, but I mean, I think that um, Mizzou is better than three wins if we had a normal season you're going to get your three cupcakes you know we'd be talking about Kimizu sneak up and win five or six games in yeah. a in a normal season yeah you're just taking a normal season where you're stealing away like eastern michigan and no all of caleb's Central letter schools <laughs> yeah you know the wyoming's of the world <laughs> yeah those, those easy wins caleb yeah. <laughs> exactly Yep, so you steal those away from us and leave us with three wins. But the one thing about this year is nobody can say that uh, our schedule, our performance is being inflated by our schedule, I guess. Um, fuck. Bama and LSU. Here's the thing about them just shoving it up our ass with this cross-division schedule. Why did they have to schedule it like within three weeks of each other? Why couldn't have they given us Alabama, let us lick our wounds for five or six weeks, and then thrown us to LSU? You know what I mean? Like... I would say with the the numbers and the algorithm or however they design the schedule, they knew if they were going to make the good teams' schedules like the way they wanted them, mm-hmm. there's a few teams that were going to have to really take a beating for the math to work out. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so, you know, hello, uh, Missouri and Arkansas. Yeah. yeah, they would have come out with a schedule. Like all the journalists, they, they just want to beat us up. I feel like they took a little bit time of time to put the schedule together so that they could actually drive the nails into the baseball bat before they jammed it straight up into our assholes. <laughs> yeah, no lube. Uh, so anyway, fellas, it's uh, we're kind of in this dead zone now. We should be playing football under normal circumstances, but uh, we've got a couple weeks away. One thing I want to do with this show, since we're kind of filling it out, like making content, there's an article on Saturday Down South. It actually came out a little bit ago, but they made some predictions about this Mizzou season, and I wanted you guys to uh, listen in on those predictions and see whether you think they make any sense or not or whether they're complete bullshit. So when we come back from the break, we're going to discuss 10 bold predictions from Saturday Down South. And then, of course, we've got Kansas news because it wouldn't be a Mazodcast without Kansas news. Anyway, after the break, we'll be back. This is the Mazodcast. Hey guys, we have a new sponsor. Who is it? Well, they're called Manscaped. And oh, I know I know this product. Yeah, they sent us some stuff, didn't they? Yeah, we shaved our sweet salty balls with them. I'll tell you what, they have good stuff. I shaved and I found a tattoo I forgot I even had. <laughs> They're the number one men's below-the-belt grooming company in America. My balls are so soft. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the governing body who decides this, by the way? I don't know, but I I believe what they're telling me. Manscaped has redesigned its electric trimmer. It's called the Lawnmower 2, and it has proprietary skin-safe technology, so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. It's a zero-turn mower. It gets the job done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's scrote-safe. That's guaranteed. But I can't tell you how many lacerations my ball sack used to have before we got Manscaped. Well, you shouldn't have been using that bullwhip, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. In my defense, it was a rusty lawnmower blade. But either way, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Don't use the same trimmer on your face as you use on your balls. That's day one stuff. Act now and you can get 20% off and free shipping. Just use the code armchair at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the right job. Your balls will thank you. Make me do things where I know they really want to Making me catch a plane and a bus too Across the border just to find you She gon' tell me, say she no go be my way taking all my time And we are back This is some listener music Comes to us from the artist Sticks Featuring Eva Manon This song's called Lagos Blues if you'd like to submit your original music, send your band stuff over to us at mazodcast at gmail.com. We would be happy to put it on the air for you. Phil, as I mentioned before the break, there was a uh, Saturday Down South had a, uh, a top 10 predictions a few weeks ago, and I wanted to go over these because, I don't know, some of them seemed ridiculous and some of them seemed realistic, and I thought, uh, you know, I wanted you all to take a listen to them, cogitate on it a while, and decide which old-timey expression you thought satisfied each one of these predictions. Do they make good horse sense, or are they horse apples? <laughs> so uh, so let me just get into it now, guys. The first prediction Saturday Night South makes is Larry Roundtree III leads the SEC in rushing. Colin, do you think that makes horse sense, or is that just horse apples? <laughs> it's horse apples. One, he's going to have to shoot a backfield with Beatty, and two, I have some concerns about the offensive line, um, especially – 
you know, blowing giant holes for the for the running backs. I'm it's gonna take a little bit of trickeration. I think a lot of our running back yards are gonna come on passing anyway. So I, I, I find that hard to believe. Caleb, how about yourself? I think it's horse shit. <laughs> That's another option. That's what that is. No, he won't leave. No. There'll be somebody from Georgia or Alabama that will leave the league of rushing. Well, I will say this. Not having a uh, known quarterback, there's a good possibility that even if with split time, um, he will get a lot of touches because it, who know, it doesn't necessarily look like we're going to have a throw-first offense. You may have a quarterback that leaves the team in rushing. Who knows? Yeah, that's possible. It has been the case for Missouri in the past. All right, second prediction. Horse sense or horse apples. Colin, Nick Bolton receives first-team All-SEC honors. Oh, I'd buy that. Yeah. I'd buy that for sure. He's NFL talent. I mean, that, that guy is better than 95% of the linebackers in the SEC. He's on Mizzou's squad, so yeah, you don't expect him to be a five-star recruit, but he is better than the vast majority of linebackers in the SEC. So you say horse sense. All right. Horse sense. So, uh, Caleb, your thoughts on Nick Bolton being all SEC this year, first team? Horse profits. You bet that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nick Bolton is good. He's quite possibly the best player on Mizzou's team. As far as I'm concerned. I, I don't think there's a question. Not in my mind. All right. Third prediction from Saturday Down South here. They say Drinkwitz leads Missouri to an above 500 season. We were just talking about it before the break. Where is Missouri going to fall? All you need is five wins to make 500. You need six to get above. That's a big, tall order, Colin. Six wins is, is horse apples. Yeah. It's a tough one. That's winning a lot of games against some very tough opponents in your first year in the SEC where you've had limited practice time and you got a new quarterback and a new head coach. That's too much. Caleb? I'll go with horse apples also. Okay. I think that's one of the easiest ones so far. I think they just needed 10, and so they threw this one in because they were at 9. Number 4, Missouri finally gets over the hump and beats Georgia at home. Caleb, your thoughts? Um, sure, let's go with that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the thing about playing Georgia, Missouri has had some weird years. I remember get, watching them get beat 30 to nothing in a year that I thought we really had a chance because they're running back. Gurley, Yeah, Gurley had been suspended Chubb for signing Gurley. autographs. No, it was Chubb's coming out party. I think it was the first time Chubb had ever yeah, played. It was yeah, girly. This cherry on us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then there was the year that we lost nine to six because fucking Jamon Moore gave the game away to fucking Georgia. But uh, we we play weird against Georgia. Georgia's too good to to beat Colin. Yeah, I I don't foresee that happening. I mean, if you're going to sneak up on a team on uh, Georgia, Alabama, LSU level, it's going to be LSU or Bama, in my opinion, probably just because. Georgia's going to know what we're going to know in quantity for Georgia. I, I, you know, I think the, there's some hope that Alabama or LSU could badly overlook us or something. Yeah. It's hard to overlook the first game of the season though. That's the problem we have with Bama. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number five, Sean Robinson becomes a top tier dual threat quarterback in the sec. Caleb, what do you think about that? Horse sense or horse apples? I mean, can I defer to Colin? Because I've never even seen the son of a bitch throw a fucking football. None of us have seen the son of a bitch throw a fucking football. So, I don't know. Not this year. Can what happen? Sean Robinson become a top-tier dual-threat quarterback in the SEC. Not this year. 
Yeah, that's I agree with Caleb. I think that's a tall order for this year. We only got him for but, two years. I mean, maybe next year. I don't know. I I I, I can't see that happening. But you know what? I hold hope, hope that he'll do all the things that Kelly Bryant was supposed to. You know what I mean? Like that's that would be a nice thing. You know what I mean? Like I, we everybody was so psyched about Kelly Bryant. He ended up being a big wet fart. And this kid, everybody's like, oh, he's mobile and he's a transfer. And like, hopefully he'll win the starting job. But it, but the expectations for him is to win the job. But there's no giant expectations on him like there was Kelly Bryant. Mm-hmm. It'd be awesome if this kid came out of the gate and just came out on fire, threw a bunch of touchdowns, ran for a bunch of touchdowns, gave Mizzou a season they had no right to have and make up for the fact that Kelly Bryant was such a fucking horrible disappointment. <laughs> Yeah, we did have high expectations for it. And I think, you know, it was just that like, Clemson's really, really good, and he came from Clemson. Thus, we thought he would be really, really good. And and we weren't the only ones. I mean, he had top-tier division uh, schools chasing him, and he came to Mizzou, and everybody was taking He was the top transfer, you know, in America at the time. And so when Mizzou got him, it was huge news. I remember hearing about it on the radio. I remember seeing it on ESPN. I mean, it was it was a you coup know, it, for Barry it made Odom. more than the local KR, KMIZ-17 news, you know. Yeah. What do you and, think uh, Barry Odom did to land him? Like, what was it? Or was every other coach aware that he had a lot of faults and, and it just fell in Barry Odom's lap because he, he'd take I anybody? I think he was really talented, but the other teams chasing him had really talented kids on their roster. And so <laughs> they couldn't guarantee that he'd be the starter. And this, you know, I mean, Barry Odom was probably offering – you get to start. You get whatever you want. Come here. What's that sandals vacation? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like I could see, like think about it, the team like Auburn. Auburn's not got a, a two-star guy sitting there waiting for the job at quarterback. They've got somebody with some legitimate chops. Yeah. So they probably can't say to Kelly Bryant, like, hey, you're definitely going to be the starter the way Barry Odom probably absolutely could. Let's move on to number six on our top ten list here. Uh, their prediction is Jalen Knox comes into his own and solidifies himself as the Tigers' clear-cut number one receiver. With the transfers they had, he's already their number three receiver, so I'd say that's probably horse apples. I mean, I hope it comes true, but I, I don't think it's going to. Caleb? Oh, I agree with Colin on this one. Probably not. The thing about us is this year, like anything with our offense, I don't know what our receiver core is going to look like, really. You know what I mean? Like, we don't have that much proof of anything to go by. So, And we don't even know who's going to be throwing the ball to him. This is very tough to make a call on who's going to be a good receiver or not when you don't even know who or how often they're going to be throwing the ball. He could be good, but to be, I don't know, coming to his own, I mean, like, he could be very serviceable. But he's not Emmanuel Hall. At least I don't think he is. Are you urinating, Colin? I sure am. <laughs> it's great. Well, it's part of the podcast forever now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> We're clearly social distancing. And there, there's the sound of a flushing toilet. That's a, something Nailed. you don't get on ESPN, folks. That'll, nope. be, that'll be the sound after the third week of football this year. <laughs> <laughs> there's a level of professionalism that this show brings that other podcasts just don't have. <laughs> now it seems like a good time to piss, shit, and eat and drink. I've been in the last 30 minutes. All right, uh, let's move on to number seven here. Missouri secondary allows the fewest passing yards per game in the SEC. Good gravy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You know, we got those returning safeties and got got experience on the outside at corner. Oh, no, no, absolutely not. I mean, listen, I think the secondary is going to be better than people are probably expecting. 
because God, you got to get something from experience, right? I mean, yeah. it's got to count for something. And then, but I don't. That's a that's a tall order. You know, there's better defenses out there, and uh, yeah. Well, no, and the thing about the last few years, which have not been good years for Mizzou, the best defenses we've had, the biggest fault we've had has been our secondary. You know, we've had good line play, we've had good linebackers, but we have had some weak performances in the secondary and. I don't know. Like you say, we do have some experience back there, but that doesn't <laughs> doesn't mean we've got real talent back there. That uh, again, they're filling. This is there's I there's a lot more horse apples I'm hearing there than there are horse sense in these predictions. There's there is a there was also a horseshit scheme involved in the defensive woes that we had. You That's know what I mean? True. Like I don't discount the fact that Barry Odom while under Pinkle seemed to know what a defensive scheme was and how it was supposed to work. And as soon as he became the head coach, decided to change everything and be awful. <laughs> and, and that's what he did yeah. um, for some reason and hired the worst defensive coordinator in the history of defensive quarters, coordinators, DeMonte Cross. I mean, it was just – the defense was a shit show from start to finish. And so I think you can you – can, you know, Nick Bolt was good in a terrible defense. So imagine what he might look like if this guy that's uh, coaching defense now is any good. That's how bad things were, that we got rid of a defensive coach, and we now hire a guy who is an offensive specialist, and we're expecting the defense to be a lot better. <laughs> it was, it'd be hard to get worse. All right, number eight on our list is uh, Daniel Parker Jr. fills Alberto's shoes admirably and leads the SEC in touchdown receptions by a tight end. Caleb? Oh. Yeah, that's hard. I don't even know who else plays tight end. I'm sure there's a 6'5 spin out well, there. So. Florida has this guy named Kyle Pitts, who is one of the best tight ends in the country and will likely be better than Mizzou. But I do think Daniel Parker Jr. is going to be a good tight end. I mean, he saw a lot of just, snaps in the past. And, and I mean, Albert O was kind of a disappointment last year. Yeah, he was. So he can't. I mean, there's not a lot to go. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to to say that because I don't know anything about what a, a Drinkwitz offense looks like either. Mm-hmm. I mean, how involved the tight end is in your offense, and especially the red zone, is really dependent on sort of the scheme you're running, you know, and who you're highlighting in that scheme. I mean, I there are teams that never use tight ends, and there are teams mm-hmm. that use them literally all the time. And because I don't know what drink the fuck Drinkwitz offense is going to look like, I don't know what it's tight end. Uh, friendly or not. Well, I mean, you know, Barry Odom under his regime, he had a big strategy where he'd go like six games without throwing to a tight end. So uh, anything better than that should <laughs> yeah, no, suit I agree. Daniel I'm Parker. Saying this, like, but, you know, think about how good Albert O would have been if they, were, you know, used him for, you know, let's say two thirds of the games they had him. Yeah. Barry went like eight games without using their best receiver in Emmanuel Hall one year. So, I mean, <laughs> it's true. He likes to, he likes to challenge himself, Caleb. Yeah. yeah, Barry Odom needed people screaming at him on Twitter to do something before he knew to do it. Uh, like so I'm going to tell my wife, like I, I'm going to explain to her that I haven't been fucking her good for the last 11 years, but now I'm going to give it to her real good. <laughs> you know, like that's Barry's thinking. Like I'm going to challenge it. You know, yeah. I'm going to set my my best. I'm going to do that without my best players. Yeah, <laughs> and then I'm going to plow you so gross later. Yeah, you're going to think I'm super amazing since I was so shitty for this whole time. <laughs> it's a long con. Yeah, well, you know, I'm in for it. <laughs> All right, uh, two more to go. Number nine, Tyler Beatty becomes the SEC's premier kick returner. Colin? Well, I think he's got talent enough maybe to do it, but I don't remember seeing him do anything in the kick return game. That Plus, kick return? I mean, special teams is one of those things that 
in the NFL, you can get a Dave Tobe and you can really block it up well and, and have a bunch of guys and maybe uh, get yourself some kickoff returns and stuff. But at the college level, I feel like you are literally – special teams are all scrubs or recruits being seasoned. And they're not that good and they don't, they don't have enough time to concentrate on special teams. So when there's touchdowns in college on special teams, I feel like nine times out of ten it's because you've got Jeremy Macklin-level talent back there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so – I just I don't see Jeremy Macklin level talent in the Tyler Beatty, and I because I and I I don't have any confidence in Mizzou's blocking schemes to get him to the end zone. So I guess so. No, I'm going to disagree with that. Um, well, you did you did say about uh, how, the extra gear that he had, you know? He does. I'm not seeing. Like I said, I think he has the talent to do it, but I I haven't seen him be that level well, there's guys yet. Like, but maybe he will. The Chiefs I mean, have McCole Hardman who played in the SEC and returned kicks, and he wasn't. Taking everything to the house all the time. Yeah, no, I'm, that's true. You know, so I, it's hard telling on kick returns because, like Colin said, you got a bunch of douchebags that are they're not on scholarship blocking for you on a fucking kickoff return. Well, you just—I mean, there's so many limitations on how much time you can spend. Fuck the guy I went to high school with was on the kickoff team, and he was terrible. You know, he played at Mizzou on the kickoff team for four fucking years. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So you're, and like I said, there's no time to coach that. You know what I mean? Like they got they got to get the offense and defense sharpened for every game, and they got all this limited practice time because the NCAA and the academic shit. And so there's just no you you don't your best players aren't on special teams, and you really don't concentrate on them enough for them to be any good. All right, this is the tenth and final prediction: the 2021 recruiting class in Missouri will be the highest ranked in the past decade. That's probably not far-fetched. Yeah, I well, mean, just, the bar's I low. Mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's an incredibly low bar, especially for the last, you know, the Barry Odom tenure. I mean, that's, God, that's an incredibly low bar. That's easily believable. I, you know, I, everybody knows we've already got a, a lot of pretty decent recruits uh, lined up, and I don't know, it's just, it's a very low bar to jump. Yeah, I agree. It's horse profits. That's, that'll probably be the best class. I think I think Eli's a good recruiter. He's certainly better than Barry Odom. I think there's no question about that. I mean, he's been recruiting under COVID restrictions and is doing a better job than Barry Odom did with like four years of experience. And a special helicopter. <laughs> That's right. So he uh, he's landed, I don't know, three or four four stars this year, I think, which is good for Missouri because we usually don't. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there was the time where we were getting the occasional five stars, you know, when we you were yeah. getting guys like uh, Terry Beckner Jr. and Doral Green Beckham. But it's been a while. It's been a minute, you know. Um, well, I'd rather have I'd rather get six four stars and, and then one five star. Yeah, you know, oh, me I mean, too. Ultimately, and so I hope he gets. I hope he brings in numbers, and and you know, like I said, the recruiting wasn't that great, and Pinkle's recruiting was going downhill when he was leaving, and Barry Odom did a just a atrocious job. There's so many things that Barry Odom did. I mean, I knew I wasn't happy with the product while we were living it, but now with some time removed from it, I I I staggered to find something that Barry Odom was good at. I'm like, what 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 did he do in his years here that was good? He, rid, he got rid of all the dogs in Columbia, all the stray dogs. So. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> he pounded pina coladas in Jamaica pretty well. He gave terrific interviews. That's yeah. what he did well to us. Well, Drinkwitz is in 
is off to a hot start for next season. I mean, while this year's recruiting class isn't great, he's had only a portion of the season to do it. And like you said, Barry Odom is responsible for a big part of that. But currently, Mizzou's 2021 team recruiting ranking is number 20 in the country on rivals. And, you know, a big part of that is because he's got a huge number of recruits uh-huh. already locked down. But the thing that I noticed right away, like I said, is you've got the four star recruits, but also we've got a lot of in state recruits. You know, we've we've got guys sticking home, which is just not something we've seen a lot, especially under Barry Odom. We talked to death about how he promoted his uh, Mizzou 10, you know, these guys that we're gonna bring and recruit and come to Missouri. And like only one of those guys actually signed here. Twenty twenty one is shaping up pretty nice for Drinkwitz. So I think we're two out of ten as far as agreeing with these predictions, but uh, I think this might be even more certain than than the Nick Bolton being all SEC prediction. I think he's uh, well. I mean, it certainly helps Drinkwitz that he didn't run a marketing campaign around a bunch of kids who hadn't committed to his university yet and give them their own nickname. I mean, <laughs> it probably helps that he didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know. Uh, that's. Who was in charge of that idea? But that person needs to be fired. Well, his latest his latest recruit is a guy named Kieran Montgomery. He's out of Indianapolis. He's a 6'5", 240-pound defensive end. He is a four-star recruit, according to Rivals. Gave his verbal uh, just three or four days ago. Um, he's adding to that list. And, and, I mean, we just haven't had this kind of success this early on in a long time. So you can see why people are getting excited about Drinkwitz, especially – given the fact that he has never played a game and he hasn't had his uh, scrotum set on fire by the Alabama Crimson Tide yet. Well, yeah. Well, the, the other thing is is that uh, it wasn't exactly like he was selling a, a great product either. I mean, he was selling a, a Mizzou football team that was you know down on its luck. You talk about a team that is not an easy sell either, and he's selling it, which, you know, God, let him get a little success and sell that. Mm-hmm. He's selling shit burgers right now. If he can just upgrade it to, like, say, a McRib, man, he'll be fucking cooking with butter. Yeah, a shit McRib would even be better than uh, than what we've been dealing with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I love a fucking McRib. They're awful, but they only come out <laughs> once a year. They are awful, but they're good. They're, they're fucking awful. My dad, <laughs> I don't know about you. My dad, really like, passed that on to me, the love of the McRib. Yeah. Because they're an awful piece of fucking trash. But if I see it on the menu when I drive by, I'm going to pull in and get a McRib once yeah. a year. <laughs> Honestly, love. good to know. Caleb's a connoisseur of cooking. He spends all his days smoking stuff and uh, brining and marinating. And, yeah, and convinced me to buy $25 cherries for my uh, <laughs> cocktail. But yeah, he loves them. Yeah. Yeah. He also enjoys the Italian cherries on your old fashions. Fuck yourself and your cheap Marciano cherries. <laughs> Go buy yourself a $25 bottle of cherries. It'll turn your world around. Caleb, $25 if cherries and a McRib. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give give out I'll the fucking old fashioned that costs twenty five dollars, and I'll also buy you know buy a one dollar McRib and eat the fuck out of it. You know, <laughs> that's how I roll. Caleb, give the name out of the maraschino cherries that you uh, you buy, so these people know what what cherries I'll, are worth twenty five. I'll tweet out a picture of it so they can all see. It's a Luxardo, L-U-X-A-R-D. Luxardo cherries, yes. Yeah, so the cherries you're familiar with on your banana splits, these bright pink fucking nuclear waste radioactive pink red cherries. Apparently, the reason they're that color is because they're ble- they're soaked in bleach and then artificially colored. The Luxardo cherries are soaked in alcohol in Italy. Yes. 
And that makes them good. So that's why you get drunk better on these $20 fucking chairs. But anyway, the McRib is good too. Yeah. Brennan, do you yeah. remember, I, Caleb, I don't know if they had this because we didn't go to school where you guys, you did, but our school served McRib. Yes, yeah, like it, was, yeah. it was the same pressed meat patty with barbecue sauce on it that McDonald's did. It literally yeah. tasted the same. Like I, I agree, Colin. It was it tasted every bit as good as a McDonald's McRib. Oh, the only, you, you can just, order them from Menu Maker. They're called riblets. And so, like, if you're a restaurant or something, you can. Order, I think they even sell them at Sam's Club, like a fucking. 400 pack of riblets we should totally have a barbecue with them and invite no everybody doubt. Else. yeah it's, it's, i like how you just stick to sick l-e-t-s on the back of it and then it doesn't have to actually be the thing that you say oh, like they're not ribs no they're riblets in that thing at all it's <laughs> made of chicken it's, it's like, like this leg chopped up <laughs> it's like saying does, does your wife get an orgasm when you fuck her well she has an orgasm lit it's yeah. it's like a <laughs> orgasm <laughs> It tastes like that, but it's not that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, want a rib so bad right now, it's not even funny. <laughs> Get your riblet. <laughs> we should have yeah. a Mazodcast tailgate at the game this year, and instead of having you and Caleb use your cooking skills to make some glorious feast. We'll just get riblets from menu maker. <laughs> yeah. So Mazodcast tailgate, all the fans come out and meet the, the Mazodcast have a McRib. <laughs> and don't think, and don't think we're going to waste our good barbecue sauce on you. You fucks are getting sweet baby rays. <laughs> Uh, I sweet baby tomato syrup and pressed meat. Sweet baby rays pisses me off because we live we're from the land of barbecue, you know, barbecue sauce. And sweet baby rays is ketchup. You know, just a little little browner, but it's ketchup. Yeah, since since we're way off topic, I'll tell you that at my wife's hotel they had a wedding about a month ago and I was in town doing something and she asked me if I could go get barbecue sauces for the couple because they wanted to serve them at dinner. One is from St. Louis, one is from Kansas City. So I'm like, well, this is cool. They're having a hard time finding, you know, like a specialty sauce Mm. they're looking for. I get the list and it's like sweet baby Ray's fucking honey something bullshit brown sugar and the other one is some other kind of bullshit. They didn't pick anything good out of the state of Missouri. <laughs> awful barbecue sauce. It's so awful, com- awful. Just look at the grocery store shelves. There's four shelves of Sweet Baby Rays, and then there's like one little stuff of thing of actual like oh what's the what's the stuff with the pig on it? You know, it comes in like the mason jar. The good stuff. The uh, the Blues Hog. I like I like the Blues Hog, and I like the Sticky Pig. You know, yeah. those are good stuff. Yeah. Well, hey, do you guys like the pickles on your McRib, or just leave it? Oh, uh, pickles and onions. Yeah, yeah pickles and onions, bomb. That's the way yeah. to go. Um, yeah. Do you do you brown the onions, or just eat them raw? Raw white onions on the McRib. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're going to do it. We're going to have a tailgate at a Mizzou game. <laughs> Even we may not be allowed to tailgate. I don't know what the COVID rules are, but if we do, by God, it's going to be riblets, pickles, and onions. And if you want anything else, you just go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> I think it's about time we got into Kansas news, fellas. I'm looking up riblets and how much they cost and how I can get them. <laughs> what is the fastest way we could get a fucking riblet right now? You know what I mean? Like McDonald's doesn't tell you when McRib's coming back. But I know since it's Schwann's, I bet has something like that. Anybody got a Schwann's subscription anymore? Is that even is Schwann's exist? I see the Schwann's truck down the street at my boss's house all the time. They've got one, I guess. Like my yeah. gra- I we lived actually- on Schwann's growing up. My grandma always had it. We did too. We had Schwann's pizzas and sh- we had sh- we had sh- Schwann's popcorn. 
Oh, I bet. I mean, like microwave popcorn. I bet half the kids in our class were fathered by the Schwann's man. (laughs) You know, I used to, where I live now, I used to have a Schwann's man. And he, uh, like for the first year I lived here, he came down this road for some reason. Mm -hmm. And he stopped one day and we're like, fuck yeah, you got those little bent pizzas I used to eat when I got out of school. You know what I mean? When Mm -hmm. I was a kid. Yeah. By God, they did. And then that guy like quit and the, it never comes down our road. Colin, would you you take. Obviously pass us on. Would Colin, would you take a lifetime of those Schwann's personal pan pizzas if the Schwann's man said he wanted to bang your wife one time? <laughs> oh, <laughs> of course not, Brendan. That's a crazy question to ask. That's so crazy. Uh-huh. I would never. So, that's so What crazy. you're saying is she listens. <laughs> no, that's awful. Stop it. <laughs> All right. We're going to do Kansas News. I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. First story of the day, Southwest Kansas man threatens police officer with a firework. Law enforcement authorities are investigating a suspect for alleged assault with a police officer. Just after 3 a.m. Friday, police were at the 900 block of Safford Avenue in Garden City, Kansas, investigating a reckless driver who fled from his vehicle. While at the scene, officers observed a man identified as Braulio Guy Ortiz of Garden City, who was agitated and intoxicated. I'd put intoxicated first, but that's my journalistic choice. He was carrying a Roman candle-style firework and yelled obscenities at the officer. Police arrested Ortiz on requested charges of aggravated assault of a law enforcement officer. The case is under review by the Finney County attorney. It always makes me wonder, like, what is there to review? He was shooting Roman candles at the cops. It seems like an open and shut case. (laughs) Yeah. Given the uh, times we live in, I can't imagine going at the cops with anything. You know what I mean? Like, this just seems like a bad idea, start to finish. Well, why does he have a Roman candle at the ready? You know what I mean? Like, he's driving around <laughs> it drunk. Is not, it is not July. Fireworks, though, let's be honest, they are the province of white trash. You know what I mean? Like, they're drawn to fireworks like a moth to a flame. Because, like, <laughs> weeks before the 4th of July, white trash are stocking up on fireworks like it's end of days and it's cans of beans. You know, the, <laughs> it's just things that blow up, people. It's not that exciting. After you reach about age 11, you've seen how fireworks work. Calm down. We need 10 fingers, you know. Why do white yeah. trash love fireworks? I mean, dumb people, real dumb people love setting off fireworks, not watching fireworks, setting them off because it's always better. That's a good point. Yeah, that's right. Everyone likes fireworks. I like watching fireworks. That's right. Yeah, everyone likes watching them, but the really dumb feeling the exhilaration of blowing two fingers off of your motherfucking hand. (laughs) Yeah, they they really want to feel the experience. (laughs) <laughs> there is a weird sort of ratio of enjoying fireworks from afar and just everybody and then enjoying fireworks up close and scalding your digits and being really, never, really stupid. You ever met anybody with a fucking PhD that blew off their hand with fireworks? <laughs> I'll kiss your ass <laughs> All right, guys. You want to take a stab at uh, how old this fella, uh, Braulio Guy Ortiz of Garden City, Kansas, was whenever he uh, shot Roman candles at a f- officer. Caleb, what's your guess age-wise? 27. God, I was going to say 27. 
I'll go the uh, I'll do the uh, one dollar trick from Price is Right and say twenty six. All right, the closest is Caleb Bungart. He was thirty one. Drat. Yeah, you guys were in the ballpark though. I think anytime you're within five years, I think that's pretty good. I think uh, you know you get extra bonus points feeling right on the number. But uh, yeah, you hit your thirties, you think maybe you're past your Roman Candle days. Maybe so. Hey, hey, just an update, guys. We can buy five pounds of fully cooked boneless <laughs> pork rib patties for thirty-four dollars a case. <laughs> so for hundred bucks, we can have fifteen pounds. A fucking McRib. <laughs> Doc Nick, if you're listening, you know how what to do. How many, how many are in 15 pounds? Like, how many actual McRibs does that make? I don't know. I'll look more. You keep going, and I'm going to keep researching. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb is our intrepid reporter on this. Hey, uh, do the McRiblets or whatever they're called that they're selling, do they have, like, the little lines in them, you know, the little <laughs> shapes oh, of the McRib? Fuck yeah, they do. <laughs> the artificial. <laughs> they sell them. <laughs> it's a good point. Okay, they're 3.8-ounce, consistently-sized, boneless, rib-shaped patty. Made with real pork. They have bold, meaty flavor with a signature blend of spices. It's perfect for universities, K through 12 schools, and banquet events. And Fully cooked for maximum convenience and quick service. <laughs> Simply heat and serve. Also, Ships in two to three days. <laughs> so you're talking, call it four ounces a piece. I mean, man, you're getting four per pound. On that one, five twenty forty, or yeah, you get 60, 60 rib pieces. <laughs> I like how it says it's perfect for banquets. What kind of banquet serves McRibs? I don't know. If I ever get married again, this is what's getting fucking served. You can bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our next story. You keep your research up, Caleb. I will. Ding dong! A four foot rat snake rings Kansas man's doorbell. Now, I feel like we're getting to a trend. Three makes a trend. We're on our second story where somebody just stumbles upon a snake. I think, Colin, wasn't it a few weeks ago whenever we saw a guy had a snake in his sofa? It was last yeah. week when he had the snake in the sofa. Yeah. So uh, this guy in Overland Park, Kansas, says the advantage of having a doorbell camera connected to a phone is that the user can see who is at the door. Usually, a Kansas man got a big surprise when he saw motion on his camera at his Overland Park home, a four-foot rat snake. Kyle Crane told KNBC he did not know what was ringing his doorbell. Figuring it was a lizard, he went outside to investigate. Why would you assume a lizard? <laughs> it's so close to a snake. Why, why wouldn't you assume a human? You know what I mean? Like, Isn't a human yeah, the first my thing? My first would be like, hey, who's ringing my doorbell? A human being <laughs> yeah. with you know opposable digits. A mailman. Oh, it's probably some sort of cold-blooded animal. Yeah, and not, and not and you and you guessed the wrong cold blood. <laughs> I know, so close, but yet so far away. Uh, not what I expected. Crane said, thinking it was a lizard. It's a rat snake just hanging out on my ring doorbell. I thought it was a lizard. Yeah, we got, <laughs> we got that. I saw some motion, and I was wondering how he got out here. Then I come out here, and we see a snake. Rat snakes are not venomous, and they are common to Kansas. They kill their prey by constriction and can grow as long as seven feet. None of that necessary to the article. After getting 
over the initial surprise, Crane relocated the snake to a nearby creek, then <laughs> masturbated. So they do not like water. <laughs> they no. left that part out. He moved to the creek to antagonize the snake. <laughs> yeah. Yes. After uh, he moved the snake by wrapping it around his young child's throat. <laughs> okay. That's the entire story. This is the kind of news that happens in Kansas. Snake <laughs> rings doorbell. The snake clearly wanted in for something, and instead he takes it to a creek. It's the opposite of what the snake was after. I love a good snake story. Final story of the day. Kansas man banned from providing COVID-19 related services. This one, I think you guys were going to enjoy. It's so Kansas. A man already banned from doing autopsies in Kansas is now barred from providing services related to the coronavirus pandemic. I remember this guy from the autopsies. We did that one two years ago. Did we really? Yeah, we did the autopsy one. The dude was doing all kinds of crazy shit on autopsies. Yeah. Read his fucking name off. I know. (laughs) We we, we, we 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 said he had bad like he was a, for the doing autopsy, all kinds like, of crazy shit on autopsy. Na- like the name of the the family said the the uh, <laughs> like the autopsies are crazy and like really not specific. And we we're like talking about you know white man comma giant cock or something like that. You know they, they had strange titles for the autopsies and we started. Anyway, that was a good show you know, two years ago. <laughs> How do you remember this, kid? <laughs> I, Next story. Well, that's where you get lunch. You shoot a fucking prairie dog and cook it on a spit. <laughs> Kansas Board of Healing Arts accuses Sean Parcells of pretending to be a doctor. The Kansas Board of Healing Arts is accusing Sean Parcells of misrepresenting who he is and lying about his credentials. It claims that at different times, Parcells claimed to be a doctor, a pathologist, and a medical examiner. Hmm. Been a lot cooler for the it till you make it. Sean Penn. Family after family said that they thought Parcells was a doctor because he either said that directly or gave them that impression. But or no. wore a boot on top of his head as a hat. Apparently, anybody who has a white robe in their possession is thought to be a doctor. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't like a, a lab coat. It was just a white robe. Mm-hmm. He also went by a different name. It said Holiday Inn right there on the, cre- on the chest, <laughs> and they still were like, Good help, me, help me, doctor. He was carrying around a Doc McStuffin stethoscope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's an obvious giveaway. These are real Well, doctors. if you're in Missouri, it's an obvious giveaway, Caleb. <laughs> uh, he he was apparently going by the name Professor Lin as well. Family said he took their money, desecrated their loved ones, and desecrated. Never, never provided final reports. Family who did receive reports called them junk, pointing out they were full of errors and had a weird title. Yeah, <laughs> your coroner's report. It's titled. Dead guy's got large cock. <laughs> tastes why, why funny. Would he, why would he? <laughs> colon tastes funny. <laughs> why would? Why would he name a report this? I, I appreciate the specificity and the detail, but I really don't think it belongs in the title. He knew what I ate seven days ago. <laughs> Get in there real deep. Yeah, they should have seen the knuckles on this master. It, it wasn't. The, it wasn't that they minded. He was giving them titles. He just they were so strange. His office was in a McDonald's bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Why was he taking Instagram selfies with my loved ones and then posting that in the report? And why were the zippers of the corpses always down? <laughs> Parcells faces criminal charges, theft of desecration for his county work at Wabasani County. He also faces civil charges from the Kansas Attorney General for violating false claims and Consumer Protection Act. 
recycling old canvases. Okay, so here we go. The uh, man has already been banned for autopsies, has now been ordered to stop offering services related to the coronavirus pandemic. I love it when our Kansas freaks return. Sean Parcells of Leewood, Kansas, and affiliated companies are prohibited from offering any services related to the human body, Kansas Attorney General Derek Schmidt announced Tuesday. That is a broad definition. All right, listen to this, fellas. Parcells, a self-taught pathology assistant with no formal education whatsoever, <laughs> was, offered, <laughs> was offering to perform swabs for COVID-19 testing to examine people who died to see if they had tested positive. I'm going to tell you this right now. It doesn't do as much good if you get a diagnosis after you've died. And I'm not no. a doctor, but I'm going to tell you that with confidence. Yep. I, I may know more than this guy, Sean Parcells. The Shawnee County District Court last week found that Parcells had formed new businesses and websites concerning the coronavirus that violated the state's consumer protection law. Parcells, this guy's just like the griftiest grifter that ever grifted. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's always around dead bodies. Autopsies, doing fake like treatments for COVID, like whatever's whatever he can do, like. It's, it's amazing you can bullshit your way into these things. You know what I mean? Yeah, but why does he ha – there's a lot of scams you can do that don't involve corpses. <laughs> well, he's got a thing for dead folks. <laughs> yeah. We, I think we know what he really does with them. Parcells if I remember correctly, this guy had a fucking video too. Like You could watch the video of his old autopsy place. So maybe he's got a video of this too. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was having sex with the corpses. That's uh, that's what he's putting in them to test for COVID. But Parcell's attorney called him a tissue recovery specialist and will not appeal the temporary restraining order at this time. Last year, Parcell's was accused of performing illegal autopsies or billing for autopsies that were never performed. He's charged with three counts of felony theft and three misdemeanor counts of criminal desecration. Parcells is also facing a lawsuit alleging 14 violations of Kansas's Consumer Protection Act involving three consumers. I do think part of the blame does go on the family members who let this guy touch the corpse of their loved one. Oh, I, it's the uh, it's the copper wristband of medicine. You know what I mean? Like people will buy neoprene stuff fused with copper because of a fucking infomercial. So it's not hard for me to believe that some so, sort of charismatic, overly confident man could convince someone that he should treat them medically. Well, that's how I'm healing the Rona right now. <laughs> We're at a time in our history where I'm less and less surprised by the dumb shit people will do or believe. But again, oh, you're, it, you're it, exactly right, Brendan. It all circles back to me, though. Why do you have to scam stupid people involving their loved ones' corpses? Why can't you come up with some sort of pyramid scheme that, I don't know, doesn't involve rotting human tissue? Well, corpses don't talk. I think you got to the nut of the issue right there. Corpses don't talk. <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter how hard you fucked it. <laughs> no matter how hard. You're not going to make a peep. It's going to be quiet. Hey. Since uh, you just finished Kansas News and last week had the snake story, do you yeah, do you want up? Do you want to you want me to follow up with my my story about what I found in the couch? Oh, was I supposed to ask you a question about a particular story, Caleb? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were. 
<laughs> well, I had forgotten about that. But yeah, per- perhaps you all, if you tuned into the show last time, will remember that Colin teased out a little story that Caleb had about, uh, I don't know, a certain <laughs> home implement that some ladies use for enjoyment. Caleb, what exactly happened here? What's the story <laughs> that we're missing? Well, one night, way back when I was a younger man, a bunch of us went out to the bar, and we all rode back in one car. And come to find out, one of my roommates had lost his wallet. And so we searched high and low for this wallet in the car, on the street, and everywhere. Well, we finally passed out went to sleep, and the next day we went looking for this wallet, like maybe it's in the couch. Big sectional couch we have. So we go digging through this couch and digging through this couch, and all of a sudden, I reach down in this one <laughs> section of the couch. It's a sectional, and you can get in between it and feel something. But it's okay. not a wallet. Like, I don't know what it is. Caleb, I think it's a remote control. Where are we? Whose house is this? This is my house. Okay. Me and me and two roommates' house in Jeff City. So uh, your own home. Okay. Yeah, home home. 807 Nelson, Jeff City, if you want to go drive by there and look at it. <laughs> uh so go go dig into this couch, and I feel something cold, and I think it's like a remote or something like that, and pull it out, and, and I pull out a fucking 18-inch double-sided dildo. I mean... Colin didn't say it was two-sided. I didn't dildo. remember that part. That's why yeah. Caleb. A fucking 18-inch double-sided dildo. The motherfucker was as big as a baby's arm. I mean, looked like a baby holding an apple on both ends of it. <laughs> it and so I'm sitting there with the, my two roommates holding this big ginormous dildo and in walks roommate girlfriend out of the bedroom like eating an apple or a piece of pizza just walks over and goes yeah I've been looking for that and grabs it from me and walks back to the bedroom. Cool as a cucumber so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be if you look it up on Amazon. It's called the Home Wrecker. Is what it is. You can order yourself one, or your, or your wife, or whoever you would like to pleasure with it. But I'm going to suggest that you order lots of lubrication also with that thing. A five gallon. That's a. That's a. This well, this I mean, same. That's a, that's a, that's a uh, that re- your roommate had a girlfriend who was probably more adventurous than. Most of the women I've known. Well, I, I was going to say, this same this same girl, we all know who she is. We're not naming names. She also had sex with another buddy of ours. And, oh, he broke his spirit. And she broke his spirit because <laughs> he could not satisfy her. So I'll tell you this story for as much as I know of it. This gentleman that Caleb's referring to looks at intercourse with a woman as something you win. Like he's trying to fuck a woman until she says uncle. <laughs> and uh, you know, like if she doesn't, if she's not tapping you and telling you to stop because she's sore, then you haven't done the job right. Sure. And so he, this is something he takes pride in uh, for some reason. And then he fucked this gal, and like she, he she kept coming up back for more. Like, and uh, he was you know he was blowing uh, talcum powder by the end of it, and uh, broke his his broke a sweet little spirit. The uh, he didn't feel like a man anymore. <laughs> The part of this story that I recall is that later on, this guy was with his friends at a bar, saw her, and said, I'll, he whipped out a $100 bill and said, That's right. I'll give $100 to a man who can fuck her till she says quit. <laughs> That's so true. He said it. It can't be, it can't be fucking done. It can't be done. <laughs> well, anybody's that casual around a, a bunch of strangers. An 18-inch dildo? About a giant double-headed 18-inch dildo named the Home Wrecker is probably... <laughs> 
pretty comfortable with her sexuality. <laughs> oh, very comfortable with her sexuality. <laughs> okay, over under, Caleb, do you think it costs more to buy 15 pounds of riblet McRib meat, or do you think it costs more to buy your own, very own, home record dildo? <laughs> That dildo costs more money. I don't know if you bought one lately, but the motherfuckers aren't cheap, but they're worth it. <laughs> they are extremely high. All right. Uh, Colin, I want you to throw yourself a price out there. I'm going to look up the home record dildo right now as we speak. What okay. do you think it's going to run you? $109. Caleb, what would you price the home record dildo at? Well, it depends today? if it's got vibration or not. You know? Oh, I didn't know there no were vib- options. No vibration. It's like eighty nine bucks. You get some vibrations. That motherfucker is one seventy nine. Okay. Well, the uh, at twotimid.com, which God only knows <laughs> how we got this. We get a picture of the all natural home record dildo. Buyer beware. <laughs> this dong might be so good you'll never go back. You be, <laughs> are you guys are going to be pretty happy to know that you can get a deal thirty seven ninety five for this bad boy. Well, goddamn! And it comes in two I, colors, brown or beige. Dildo under forty dollars makes me worry about its quality. <laughs> I don't want a dildo that I can buy for forty dollars or less. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, I'm going to look. Surely it's on Amazon, don't you think? Yeah, because I put it in somebody's cart that was open one day at the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> well, it certainly exists, and it's certainly called the Home Wrecker. So uh, get yours today, <laughs> folks. They're having two for one special endorsement money for that, Brennan. <laughs> I would if if I just put if I just had to give a description on it, like if I was selling it online, I would just have it say, and below it, it would just say it's a unit. You know, that's all you need to know. <laughs> all right. Well, do you guys want to hear a uh, Amazon review? Sure. All right. Here's a home record review on Amazon. This dates back to 2014, Bye. so I don't know if the home record technology has changed in the last six years or not. But uh, this is a verified purchase, five stars. My wife loves this. She's a bit reserved normally, not with this. She was wet from the start. This is Amazon, by the way. (laughs) And had a (laughs) mind-blowing orgasm, not an orgasm-let. Tips for guys, be gentle. (laughs) Hey, hey, fellas, if you're buying an 18-inch double-dong dildo, um, I don't think gentleness is a factor. Um, she'll tell you when she's ready. It gets me. It's probably the guy who makes cast molds at the <laughs> factory, just trying to sell more dildos. Like it's you only got one review, and it's maybe a little too effusive in its praise. And so I worry that maybe it's uh, yeah, maybe it's somebody. It's a plant. You know, I'm okay. Well, let's, yeah, let's exactly. listen to a one star. Um, one star. Disappointed. The size was exactly as described. However, went to use it. <laughs> And put the batteries in, and nothing. Doesn't even work. Very disappointed. Not the type of item I want to return to a store either. Well, first of all, I don't think it's a vibrating dildo, so that's going to be a big problem with the batteries. Secondly, it's not a store. It's Amazon.com. <laughs> you bought it on Amazon.com. Uh, it's, there's an, there's only two one-star reviews. Most of the reviews are glowing. This one says, awful, flimsy, couldn't get the vibrator part to work, and was uncomfortably oversized. Now, I don't think that's a valid complaint. When you buy a giant dildo, <laughs> you don't get to complain that it's too big. Yeah, that's right. Hey, if you set loose Godzilla, you don't get to complain when he smashes a few houses. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, I think we've done everything we can to sell a home record dildo to our fans. <laughs> it's just sad that they're not a sponsor. <laughs> it really is. It's unfortunate. All right. Guys, we've uh, we've gone a long time talking about dildos and football. 
Football season is just around the corner. It is September the 9th right now, and uh, the 26th is when we kick off against a little team called Alabama. So uh, we're going to come back with probably at least one more show, don't you think? Sure. Then, uh, And God knows what we'll talk about. But anyway, till then, I don't know. I think we've satisfied listener inquiries because I think the main thing people wanted to hear, and we saved it to the end, this is the homewrecker story. It's a good one. <laughs> All right. strong. All right, guys, think about your dildo stories for next time because we're going to need a lot of them because there's still no football yet. Till then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Go You would call a second hole. Width hasn't really been a problem for me, but length has been. So with this dildo, it's awesome because it's very easy to get in. But it's really long, so you can get deep enough to be ready for sex. In addition, it's made of silicone, which is great because it's the only other skinny long dildo I could find. So if you're beginning, if you're a beginning bottom, this is a dildo for you. Oh, God. Or more, <laughs> move right along. I can't tell you how tired I am of only being able to find dildos the size of an elephant trunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm telling you. It's and a challenge. The reviewer's name was T. Bo. This fucking dildo was seven. This dildo is 17 and a half inches long, and several of the reviews are fucking wonderful. Smaller than expected. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect for backdoor play. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Do you see any reviews that say dishwasher safe? Well, if it's silicone, it is. <laughs> Oh, God. I love it. Too small. <laughs> well, yeah, th- this one only gave it three stars because it was too small also. Read the one-star reviews now. Well, there is none. Oh, I liked it at silicone. I got the large 15-inch mo- model, and it's way too stiff. I like my glass toys. They're obviously hard, but this is just something weird that I don't like up my ass at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how quickly people are ready to overshare. Oh, yeah, that's fucking wonderful. Someone <laughs> said it has a really strong odor. But you're shoving it up your ass, so, I mean, it's not going to smell any better when it comes out. <laughs> All right, well, I can't find the double-sided one. All I'm finding are the uh, just the regular Romantics home record by Hustler. This one's from Sex Baby. It's quite a dildo. 